We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Read any good books lately? If you're a reader, there are a few things. There are a few things, I should say, better than finding a good book. It doesn't always work that way. It can be a hit or a miss. We look for help from friends, librarians, ads, local booksellers. And today we'll talk about books and reading with Ann Bogle, author of the Modern Mrs. Darcy blog and the podcast, What Should I Read Next? She's also got a book of her own titled, I'd Rather Be Reading, The Delights and Dilemmas of the Reading Life. Holland Saltzman is the owner of The Novel Neighbor in Webster Groves. Ladies, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having us. Our pleasure. And let me start with you. What makes a great book? Oh, Don, <laughs> that depends on the reader. Because as devoted readers know, reading is nothing if not personal. And what a great book is to me might be completely different. My favorite could bore you to tears. Uh, your favorite could put me to sleep. I'm well, sure we could have an interesting conversation about it either way. Yeah, well, that makes making recommendations, Holland, difficult, isn't it? Extremely difficult. I think a lot of times when a reader comes in and is looking for a particular book, I'll make a few suggestions, but I'm always quick to say, I didn't write these. So if you don't like these suggestions, it doesn't hurt my feelings, we'll keep trying. So I just think that sometimes you hit the you know, nail on the head with your first recommendations, and sometimes it's the 18th book you've suggested. <laughs> what, what kinds of questions do you ask of people who come in or looking for something to read? I sometimes ask what the last great book is that they really liked or what's a book that they tell everyone they should read. So that's kind of a good indicator or the flip side um, of just something that somebody recommended to them that they you know, couldn't put down. How do you recommend, Anne? I make my fellow readers feel like they've gone to law school. I ask <laughs> so many questions. I want to know uh, what, what a great book means to them. The, my favorite thing to do is ask them to tell me about a book that they love, and I'll be listening for what they're interested in in terms of place and character and mood and tone and whether they have patience for a slowly developing story or whether they will want something that really keeps them turning the pages. But only in hearing their answers to what they enjoy do I have a hope of suggesting a book that they will really enjoy reading next. How about uh, suggesting books that critics have recommended? Is that a good way to go? Well, that depends. I think as a reader, if you can pay attention to the critics, not just the publications, but the individual authors recommending the books, if you can find a critic whose taste matches yours, that can be a real shortcut to finding the good stuff. You have to know the work of the critic, though, pretty much uh, in advance, don't you? Be familiar with the work of that particular uh, critic. It's so helpful if you can if you have a history with the critic. If you know you read that particular column in the magazine, mm -hmm. or if you can click on the online on the other books they've recommended, you can see these look like the kind of books I enjoy. There are some critics where I see what they recommend and I know to keep moving because our tastes do not align, and that is helpful too. We run into that in the bookstore. We have staff favorites shelves, and there are definitely people who've gotten to know the different staff and what they read, and they'll come and not completely ignore the rest of the suggestions, but they definitely zero in on a favorite staff who reads similar or um, always has interesting choices. How about uh, suggesting titles for young readers? 
That is one of my most favorite things. I did spend a few years in as assistant librarian in an elementary school, and that sort of was my segue into opening a store ultimately. So we have a phenomenal kids section and definitely some kids specialists in the store because it's really important that they get engaged quickly. They don't necessarily have the patience as an adult for, a, you know, as Anne was saying, a developing story. Mm. And so also kind of listening for those things. Is it fantasy? Do they like real heavy um, current modern stories? Do they like historical fiction? And a lot of times it's also finding out that there might be some graphic novels that they're into that then kind of links them to some other books. Of course, uh, young people don't have much of a reading history. So if you wanted to ask them the questions as you would ask an adult, there's not much there in the way of a response, I would think. No, but in a similar way, you can ask, um, do they enjoy uh, being outside? Are they nature? You know, do they like spending time in nature? Do they play sports? Um, do they have siblings? And so you try to find something. Do they like magic? You know, what is anything that they're interested in and that you could direct them towards a book that might have that in it? And are young people reading as much as they used to, do you think? They are in my house. <laughs> I are certainly doing it, so. Are they doing it on their phones? Or are they doing it with e-books? Or are they doing it with hard copies? In my house, for adults or for children, I really believe in the power of suggestion. If you see a good book lying around, if you can see that it's there, you are much more likely to pick it up and actually read it. And that's harder to do on your phone, which you can pick up and see Instagram or your email before you get to that e-reader app. So I do really like to have a wide variety of good books around so that you always have something in front of you saying, read me, read me next. Hmm. Holland, are you finding young people coming in? Uh, overwhelmingly. I mean, we. Ju- I mean, when there's release days, we definitely have to have enough copies of extremely popular book. The Dave Pilkey Dog Man just released this past Tuesday, and then the pre-orders were astronomical because kids are excited and parents are willing, you know, to come in and you know get a book in a child's hand just because they're when they're excited, the parents want to keep that going. What What's hot right now? Not necessarily for young readers, but for uh, readers in general. We were looking at that, and that's what's really interesting is that there is such a variety. There's definitely some escapist fiction that people are zeroing in on, and um, as well as a lot of um, current nonfiction books that have to do with the opioid crisis, um, and a lot of the kind of small town um, crisis that are happening, like through the book Educated, and um, certainly Hillbilly Elegy is still really popular. But just as many people coming in to get kind of escape fiction for their book clubs and you know and that'll take a variety of different titles and things like that we can't there's not one bestseller in our store at this time there's just there's a variety of really strong things depending again on what each each reader is looking for and what do you see out there that's hot right now that that you would recommend well every week i get to talk to a reader on my podcast and every week a reader tells me three books they love one book they don't and what they're reading now and i do recommend some old titles some new that they might enjoy reading next so talking to such a wide variety of readers really makes you realize how many options are out there there is still a good bit of domestic suspense out there but i'm personally excited for the crop of literary fiction coming out this fall there are some really excellent titles from established authors like barbara kingsolver and diane setterfield that i'm very excited to read and like everyone else i think holland i'm excited for the new jk rowling or robert galbraith robert galbraith and then uh, patrick dewitt who was one of my favorite authors who wrote the sisters brothers um just has got one that called the french exit that came out on tuesday that i just finished last night that was quirky and fun and you know, every week you define something new that you want to put in the hands of your readers. What can we do to make people read more? It seems to me that it's not becoming a lost art, but you just don't see as many people carrying books around as, as uh, once was the case. Or, or maybe I'm wrong on that. Am I? Well, 
I think a big part of it is what Holland just said. When you're excited about a book, your enthusiasm is absolutely contagious. So hanging out with other readers is a great way to get excited about reading. Something else I would suggest is just many people feel so busy these days moving from place to place and not feeling like they have energy for anything in the evening to do anything besides Netflix. But I would really encourage readers to, if you'd like to read more, just aim for a time or two in the day when you have five or ten minutes while you're waiting for the coffee to brew or you're waiting in the carpool line or your coworker isn't there yet to pick you up for the bus. Just pop open your app on your phone, keep a paperback in your purse. You really can do it. You can find time to read. What's your advice, Holland? I would really recommend people popping into a local bookstore. I mean, we have such a plethora of great uh, opportunities here in St. Louis for local bookstores to just go in and let's, you know, just talk to any one of the booksellers. That's why we do what we do. We want to help people find books that they love. And so um, that would be that for me, I actually, when we're traveling, I stop in any bookstore in any town that we're traveling to. And just because I like to see what their staff is reading, I want to see what they've got going on. And I think that if you feel that someone is sitting and listening and then make a personal recommendation, I mean, I think 10 times you're more apt as opposed to scanning online and clicking, put this in my cart. Yeah. Um, we have a caller from Normandy that i like, like to take right now. Uh, he'll allude to something we've talked about. Jay, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, folks. Uh, you all did sort of allude to it, but mine's a little variation. Um, with all the... I'll just say it this way. I don't know if I believe it this way, but but with all the political developments, I was going to say excitement around the politics, you know, and you do want to stay current. So you want to read the Post and you want to read maybe the New York Times to stay current. So how do you balance that out with trying to read for fun? So that's number one. Um, Number two, I, I am curious, you talked about how certain books do how well do all the political books that you hear about, let's say, let's say Shattered or, or some of those other books that are out there, I can't remember all their titles, but how, how are they doing? You know, they get a lot of splash. The, the, the one young lady that just wrote about the Trump White House, you know what I'm talking about. And then also The Farewell to Arms. Uh, I understand that was John McCain's favorite uh, novel. Um, how hard would that be to... To, to read in uh, contemporary times. Thanks. I think he was talking about Unhinged, Omarosa's book, which has gotten a lot of attention. Alan, do you want to pick that up with regard to how well political books are doing? Sure, I'll take the second part. I don't have numbers in front of me, and it's really hit or miss. Um, sometimes there's so much political, so much marketing and hype around a particular book that by the time it actually comes out, everyone feels that they've heard the snippets, they've like read a little portion of it, and it just sits because people are already tired of it before it releases, if that makes sense. Um, Now, sometimes if a political figure might mention a a favorite book or if something somehow gets referenced um, in a speech or things like that, we might see an uptick of that particular book, whether it's fiction or political. Um, But, you know, you carry what you think your readers are going to be interested in. And then if you don't happen to have a certain title, you can always special order it and it makes it easy. Um, But they aren't necessarily, even though it seems like politics is so saturated in the news right now, it we aren't feeling that necessarily with our um, book sales. Um, we sell those as much or possibly a little less because I think that when they come in, they're looking to read anything but. And he makes a point with regard to the fact that most people, there's so many demands on our time that there's not a lot of time to read. 
There are many demands, but many readers have found that finding a rhythm that works for them serves both their reading life and also their sanity. Um, many readers have found that listening to like KWMU in the morning or maybe the New York Times, the daily, if Jay likes the New York Times, can allow them to get their news hour in in the car. And then in the evening, when politics might make them feel unsettled, that's when they can read their fiction or their, their nonfiction, their memoir, the thing they read for their reading life, not for their citizen life. Do you think politics would make people unsettled? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. We've got a couple of people here who have sent in recommendations that they have. We'll get your reaction to uh, what they are talking about what they're reading. Robin writes, uh, this is her list. Three books she likes, Medical Apartheid, Columbine, and $40 Million Slaves, the one she didn't like, The Fountainhead, wow, and books she is currently reading, The Heritage, Black Athletes, A Divided America, and the Politics of Patriotism. Any of those books ringing bells with you ladies? Yes, that's an interesting list, and I was just yeah. talking about Medical Apartheid on a future episode of the podcast recently. Okay. Uh, that reader really was excited about the book called The Glass Universe. He loved it, and just based on her list of favorites, I wonder if she would also. Also based on what her interests and tone clearly are, I'm thinking Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson could be a very good one to add to her list. Hmm. Well, and well, I heard, sorry, I heard you kind of when her, she had her not favorite one, which was, right, and that's a really interesting thing that Anne and I have talked about, you know, sometimes, and I think you'd ask originally about, well, what if it's a critic's favorite, or what mm-hmm. if, it, if it's a certain person, and there's a part in Anne's book that talks about your literary confessions, and I think people sometimes you know, if it's a class, if it's something that everybody really likes, it's a trick sometimes to have to admit what, what one of your favorites isn't. So I think mm-hmm. that that's always interesting to learn about a reader. But a book like The Fountainhead has been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like it. Right. And it's <laughs> and really have. and it's tricky when there's a new book that might even win a prize and things like that. And it wasn't a favorite of mine. It's a really yeah. tricky conversation to have when someone comes in, you know, and that you want to, you know, uh, certainly support their decision if they want to get it. But if they're asking my honest opinion, you know, I'll have to be really honest sometimes about how I personally felt about it. But that would, that's what makes it interesting is we're going to like different things. What's your favorite book? The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. And I read it the first time when I actually worked at St. Louis University. Um, and I reread it before I opened the store because I assumed I'd get asked that question. And so I've got others that are in my top, but continuously that remains my favorite. Just a couple of others. I'll ask the same of you, uh, Anne. Well, a couple of other favorites and, and maybe one that you hated. <laughs> I hate that I can't <laughs> confess. Um, another <clears throat> one, uh, The One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood. It was a book that <clears throat> she's an, uh, an author out of Maine that I wasn't very familiar with, and I picked it up, and it just moved me emotionally, and I'm not a really emotional person, mm-hmm. um, and it's one that I actually put in Anne's hands one of the first visits she had to St. Louis, and it just it sort of, I have yet to find a customer who has not loved the story. There's just something in it for everyone um, that's been a really good book. Um, Tell the Wolves I'm Home, The Language of Flowers, a few of those have just been typically mine li- uh, fiction. I'm heavy in fiction. Mm-hmm. I do like Candace Millard. She does write the kind of nonfiction that reads like fiction for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but those would be a few. How about you, Ed? Ooh. Favorites? Picking a favorite is hard. But today I'm going to say Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner is mine. And I'm really drawn towards fiction that's of a more literary variety, they call it. Although I'm not always crazy about that term, Holland. That's a longer conversation. But that's uh, wistful and reflective and covers a period of years where you really feel like you go on a journey with the characters. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. I also really love Maggie O'Farrell's This Must Be the Place for similar reasons. You get many people's stories over 
decades. And the story is told in very interesting ways, like you see an auction catalog and an email in a press interview. Yeah. We, we have another uh, uh, tweeter, if you will, uh, and she's, uh, I think it's a she, has, uh, has got uh, some ideas. The books liked Rogue Protocol, Six Wakes, The Poppy War, The One They Don't Like. They write, I don't read books unless I like them. I don't know how you don't <laughs> that until you've read them, but that's beside the point. And the book they are currently reading is The Black God's Drums. Anything uh, familiar there? I don't know those titles, but if I were talking with this reader... This is why a podcast is so great. An email requires a lot of back and forth. I'd want to know what did she like about the books that she put on that list? What drew her to them? And how did those books make her feel? What's she looking for when she reads? Does she like to learn? Does she like to escape? Does she want to um, travel someplace else vicariously on the page? That's what I would want to know. And and I would probably follow up with your question of how do you not know the books you don't like that you don't, I mean, do you just know that from by, you know, do you judge the book by its cover? Is it by the author? Is it by the content? Do you give it 25 pages and things like that? But I'd have to look a little bit more at those titles. I'm only familiar with one to kind of give her a good recommendation. I'm sorry. Going back to the whole idea of recommending, uh, it's always been my assumption that word of mouth probably is the best, uh, the the best advertisement you can have for a book. Do you think so, Anne? I would absolutely agree. The thing that really connects with your fellow readers, whether you're talking about books you love or books you hate, is readers are interested in hearing how a book evokes strong emotions of any variety Mm. in you. Alan, thoughts on that? Um, I was sort of going back to that. I'm feeling guilty that I don't have recommendations for this person. So I'm going to now ask you for notes for that so we can tweet to them recommendations this afternoon from the novel neighbor because I, I didn't hear a word of that because I was like really getting bothered that we didn't have a recommendation on the spot. So um, I missed that question. I'm sorry because I was just thinking that I want to get back to this um, person who tweeted. To, oh, we'll, yep. we'll see if we can find that Thank address you very for you much. When, sorry. when all this is over. This is how seriously, like, I, I really want to connect someone with it that I sort of am like, when I can't find that right book, it is, it's disheartening. We just had a caller who said she gets her kids to read by putting books in the in the bathroom. <laughs> a, a lot of reading gets done in the bathroom, I believe. But <laughs> for sure. <laughs> not a bad idea. What do you no. think? Oh, That's so smart. We applaud your resourcefulness. Well, and I think I've seen a cartoon recently where um, a woman's reading a book and her child's reading a book and a woman's on her phone and her child is on the phone and she's asking this other woman, how do you get your child to read? And it's just such as this an example is I think also kids read by example. If they never see their parents with a book in their hands, I think it's tricky to tell them they have to read. I'm going to just uh, mention my favorite, not that anyone probably cares, but I would recommend Les Miserables. Uh, Just... I'll never forget the scene of the Battle of Waterloo. There, you could smell the smoke, and you could hear the you could hear the uh, the gunshots during that. It was a marvelous book. Anyway, any final thoughts you want to leave us with, uh, Anne? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump in and say that um, for the listeners, if they'd like some personal recommendations, Anne is going to be at the Novel Neighbor tomorrow from 1 to 3, uh, book signing her new book, as well as book selling and making suggestions to the St. Louis readers if they want to stop by the Novel Neighbor. Okay. And how can folks uh, get at your material? They can find me online. My home place on the web is my blog, modernmrsdarcy.com, or they can find my podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's called What Should I Read Next? We'll put all of that information on our website at stlpublicradio.org. Ladies, thanks so much for being with us. It's always fun to talk about books. Thank you. There's thank so you, many to talk about. <laughs> Agreed. Alan Saltzman of The Novel Neighbor and Webster Groves, thank you. And Bogle, blogger, podcaster, and author of I'd Rather Be Reading, thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.